why we're having such technical difficulties, but today we're talking the lecture series, the difference between selfish and selfless with Safaria, and it's going to be on sheer enjoyment also. My other shows are on all those forums, and for the Rafu for all of those people. So when we talk about selfish, when we talk about dealing with others, when we talk about trying to help others, we're talking about trying to, to be involved, trying to help the world change the world and do good for the world, trying to be involved in the world. There's a major difference between selfish and selfless. We want to make sure that we are selfless and not selfish. And again, we're trying to get back on the phone line for everybody. Something is very wrong with the phone line today. But hopefully it'll be up later, so we will continue as Usual. So when we care about oneself or we lack concern for others and we don't care about anyone or anything but yourself, that's what might come to mind when you think of the word for selfish. But it may very well be much deeper than that. The dictionary defines selfish as of a person, action or motive, lacking consideration for others, concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure. Also, as devoted to or caring only for oneself, concerned primarily with one's own interests, benefits, welfare, and the like, regardless of others, characterized by or manifesting concern or care only for oneself, those selfish motives. Another explanation is that selfish is defined as being focused only on yourself or acting that way. Another example of someone selfish is like a toddler who doesn't want to share their toys. Wikipedia explains selfishness as being concerned excessively or exclusively for oneself or one's own advantage, pleasure, or welfare regardless of others. Selfishness is the opposite of altruism or selflessness, hence the idea of selfish versus selfless, and has been contrasted with self-centeredness, especially by C.S. Lewis, Lahavdo. Besides for thinking of themselves or only taking care of themselves, there may be actions and traits that many people have that deem them selfish in some ways without even really knowing it. Inc.com explains that there are seven things selfish people do. They withhold important information. They do not respect other people's time. They do not like to teach. They do not listen. They avoid responsibility. They take all the credit. They bring others down to build themselves up. And in terms of other aspects of traits of selfish people, there's also a website called exploringyourmind.com that points out that seven traits of selfish people, they do not show weakness or vulnerability. They don't accept constructive criticism. They believe they deserve everything. They do not listen to those who do not agree with them. They criticize others behind their backs. They exaggerate their achievements and they're scared of taking risks. So there are many selfish elements. It doesn't mean just that they're a selfish person caring only for themselves and nothing else, but there are also traits. There are aspects. There are, there are parts of our personality that can be shown to be selfish as well. So it could be an action, a feeling, or a trait. Conversely, though, what does it mean to be selfless? I might say it means other-oriented, thinking about more than myself, wanting to take care of others quicker than you take care of yourself. In terms of the definition, being selfless, as defined by the dictionary, is being concerned more with the needs and wishes of others than with one's own unselfishness, than with one's own being unselfish, excuse me, and having exhibiting or motivated by no concern for oneself, unselfish. Selflessness means to be concerned with others much more than oneself. When we're dealing with others, we're making sure to take care of others and not being involved with ourselves. That's being selfless. So we want to make sure that we're other-oriented. Similarly, the idea of being altruistic or practicing altruism is defined as the belief in or practice of disinterested and selfless concern for the well-being of others. Wikipedia defines it as the principle and moral practice of concern for happiness of other human beings or animals, resulting in a quality of life both material and spiritual. Altruistic goes to the idea of owing a disinterested and selfless concern for the well-being of others and unselfish. VeryWellMind.com explains that altruism is the unselfish concern for other people. We do things because we want to help people. We have the desire to help people, not because you feel obligated to out of duty. Everyday life is filled with small acts of altruism, from holding the door for strangers to giving money to the homeless. Martin Luther King Jr. is said to have famously said, Every man must decide if we will walk in the light of creative altruism 
or in the darkness of destructive selfishness. Albert Einstein is quoted to have said, Only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. Winston Churchill is noted to have said, We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Our life should be give-oriented, should be selfless-oriented, others-oriented, to feel like we're really having a life that's lived worthwhile. H.com points out, with the help of Rav Shrag Simmons, that the idea of the Talmud in Sanhedrin says, Bishvili never olam, the world was created for me. There's an idea. The founder of Eish Torah, an amazing person himself, from Noach Weinberg, would ask, What does it mean that the world was made, if, made for me? What does it mean that the world is, is made for me? What does it mean that the world was created for me? So he would ask, what does it mean that the world is ours? In what way is the world ours? It is not ours to eat. Rather, it is ours to take care of. He would explain that deep down inside, taking responsibility is what we all yearn for. If you could press a button to solve any problem in the world, you would do so. Everyone would want the privilege to do so. But yet, due to the enormous effort of things involved, and many people give up trying. So Rav Noach and Aish would challenge even his newest students. What are you doing about Darfur? There's so much genocide there. There's so much rampant poverty in the world, especially aspects of different elements of the world. There's crumbling aspects of family life. You want to go to business school? What are you doing to be selfless? What are you doing to contribute to the world? What are you doing about these problems? People would say to him, what do I do? What can I do? I'm just one person. How can I help? Rav Noach would answer, the great Rav Noach, if the Almighty would help you, could you do these problems? Could you solve these problems? But nobody ever says, it's not my problem. They say, what can I do about it? Because the Jewish... The Jewish response is not, ah, it's someone else's problem. We know that we have to help. We know it's all our problem. Call Yisrael Arabim Zelazem. We have to take care to make sure to be involved in the whole world. What can I do about it? I don't know what I could do about it. I don't know how I can help, but I know there is a problem. So we all know it's our responsibility, but people say that we don't have a clarity of mind. We don't have resources to tackle the job, to be selfless. But when we show people that the resource, the number one resource is Hashem and He's on our side and that caring for others is the cornerstone of taking responsibility, that's how we could go out. That's how we could make sure to make a presence, to be selfless. Moshe himself went out of Paro's palace and would go up be among the people. His leadership was built on being identifying with people and their pain and helping people. We have to take responsibility. We have to be driven to be involved in the world because the Kohelis Rabbah points out it was taught in the name of Rabbi a very famous quote that I think about a lot. When we come into the world, our hands are clenched as babies. We're screaming as a newborn. We're literally out of the womb. We're screaming. We're clenching. Our hands, our fists are so tight. Why? Because we're metaphorically saying, the whole world is mine. I will inherit. I want to take, take, take. The end of our life, after 120 years, we should be Zohar, when one takes leave of the world, his hands are open as if to say, I have not taken from this world a single thing, but I have given, hopefully, much to this world, much to this world. It's a shift, a, diam a diametric shift, a complete 180. You come in the world with your hands clenched, wanting to take. Kids are very selfish. I want, I need. What are you going to give me? As adults, we're supposed to be selfless, opening those fists up and giving to the world. Take those clenched fists and slowly open them day by day so that your whole life becomes selfless. Because you're not taking anything from this world. There's nothing you could take from this world, only what you could give to this world, only what you could leave behind in this world after 120 years. What are you going to do? How are you going to make your mark? How are you going to help out for your time? Because Perkevus teaches us one of my favorite parakel of his mission is Rabbi Shimon Omer. Rabbi Shimon points out there are three crowns. Kesser Torah, the crown of Torah. Kesser Kuhuna, the crown of priesthood. Priesthood, excuse me. The Kesser Malchus and the crown of royalty. But the best crown to have is not priesthood. Is not royalty. Not even the crown of Torah. The best crown, Keter Shem Tov. 
Ola al Gabehem. The crown of a good name supersedes them all. And God willing, sneak peek, we're going to do an episode, a whole series about a good name. But that's not the focus right now. The focus is that when you give and you leave behind and you do for others, that's the best thing to do. Because we come to this world wanting to grab so much for ourselves. But we realize at the end, and we should realize much more earlier than the end, God forbid, that we can't take anything with us. All we can do... All we can gather with us is our good deeds, to have a good name, a good reputation that hopefully we leave behind. This is in essence the outlook we need to have, focusing on others, being selfless, doing mitzvos, and doing chesed, being other-oriented. Perkevus also points out, in Dalad Bet, Ben Azai teaches us, Every mitzvah leads to another one and his own reward. If you're a selfless person, giving to others, that is its own reward. Being able to be generous, being able to be Giving to others is its own reward, and you'll get more and more chances to do so, so why not do as much as you can to do so? Perkevus also points out later in the same parak, Rabbi Elezer ben Yaakov Omer, Ha'osem mitzvah achas, if you do a good deed, it gets you a defending angel. Who doesn't want defending angels? After 120 years, you need to have much more defenders than prosecutors. Every sin is a prosecuting angel. Every mitzvah is a defending angel. If you have enough people defending you, then however many people try to accuse you, you have much more defenders. The more we do, the more selfless we are. The more we give to others gives us the ability to have such a defense after 120 years. Perkevus also says in that same parak, Rabbi Yaakov Omer Ha'olam has a doma le prosdor b'fnei ha'olam haba. Hatken atzmacha b'prosdor kadesh etikanis l'traklin. This world is only like the smorgasbord. If you have your entire appetite filled up in the smorg, you're not going to benefit anything from the meal. They buy you a place setting, the host and the hostess of both families at a wedding. They want you to sit. They want you to eat. But if you fill up your stomach on the, the narsh kind of the smorg, the smorg is great. I'm not saying don't eat at the smorg. But don't fill up yourself 100% at the smorg. You need to leave all that room for the, for the main thing. You have to prepare yourself properly in the smorg in order to properly partake of the wedding hall. And in this world, the smorgasbord, you have to properly make sure you're using your time. You're filling up yourself. You're preparing yourself in the right way. Good. Eat in the smorg. Partake of the world. But make sure you're eating the right things. You're partaking of the right things. You're being selfless, giving as much as possible. So when you come to Olam Haba, you have what you have that you're prepared, that you could eat the right way. You could benefit the right way. This world prepares us for the next world. Do more mitzvos for others. Take care of others. Do the right thing with your time and energy. The Lubavitcher Rebbe points out and teaches on Chabad.org, a Jew must be prepared to sacrifice everything. Previous generations literally had to live Al-Kiddush Hashem and die Al-Kiddush Hashem. I think nowadays generations, many commentators explain, were more asked to live Al-Kiddush Hashem. Of course, there are the times, Lo Eleni, we should never know from such things that people are asked. Hashem asked them to give up their life. We should never know from such cases. More likely, we're asked to live Al-Kiddush Hashem. In a deeper sense, the ultimate mysterious nefesh is not just readiness to give up one's life for the sake of God. True self-sacrifice means to adopt a mindset and a feeling of complete selflessness to recognize one's entire existence as being solely for the purpose that God's will be fulfilled. Living a life, Al-Kiddush Hashem, in a way, could be harder than dying, Al-Kiddush Hashem. Of course, I'm not a rabbi, I'm not a sage, I'm not saying anything definitively, but if you look at the aspect of having 120 years to live versus that one moment to give up the life, in some ways it's harder to live 120 years than to make a decision to die in that last second. True self-sacrifice doesn't just mean giving up that last moment of life. Of course, it's a beautiful, wonderful, amazing thing we should never know from having to choose to do such a thing. But living Al-Kiddush Hashem is a main purpose. And living Al-Kiddush Hashem means to give to others, to be selfless-oriented, to always be involved in mitzvahs and chesed and Torah, to help others. 
From this perspective, there's no difference between what appears to be a more prestigious role in the service of Hashem and a menial, seemingly lesser function. They both bring about the fulfillment of God's desire. The Lubavitcher Rebbe would quote the, adad, the adage of Rav Shnir Zaman of Liadi, if we were commanded to chop wood, that too would be our holy obligation and divine service. So we need to be selfless, we need to be others-oriented, and we need to be thinking about others and looking towards others. But what are simple ways to incorporate it? LinkedIn points out that there are seven qualities of selfless leader. Be simple and down-to-earth. Don't just act, but display your real personality. Be what you say and say what you are. Do as you say and say as you do. Be simple and see-through. Don't pretend to say one thing and do something else. Granted, everyone has their afflictions and their addictions and their and their things they have to fight and work on and throughout their whole life. But by and by, if you say you're a generous person but you don't give tzedakah, you say you're a generous person but you don't give to others, you don't help others, and you're not really a generous person, you're not being simple and down to earth. You say you're a warm person, a hospitable person, but when a person asks you to house them for a meal, you won't do it. They ask you to host them for a Shabbos to sleep by your house, you won't do it, then you're not really a hospital person, because when push comes to shove, when you're asked, you're not doing it. Be simple down to earth and do what you say, say what you do, mean what you say, and say what you mean. Display the real personality. Make sure you care for everyone, regardless of race, religion, color, and the like, and make sure to be transparent with everyone. Make sure to trust, empower, and facilitate over command and control. If you control someone to do something, it's not the highest level, it's not the right level, as if a person loves you and does it because they love you. That's why we should love Hashem and serve Hashem out of love more than fearing Hashem. It's a higher level to do for Hashem and love Hashem than to fear Hashem and fear retribution and, and retribution of sin. That these type of people attract you to join them without compulsion. They have a way with them. They have a personality. They have a presence. They have an aura, magnetism about them to bring you towards them without having to control, but just by bringing them into their sphere of influence. These type of people, selfless leaders, they don't hurt others for their benefit. They don't hold a grudge. They forgive and forget. They let bygones be bygones. They let the past stay in the past. They don't worry too much about the future. Obviously, you plan for it, but you live in the present. They celebrate success together and face the failure alone. If a failure happens, it's my fault, no one else's. But if we have a success, we all have a success together. We all can be joyful together. We could all party about it together in a proper way. These type of leaders look for opportunities to contribute and support others. They volunteer their time. They volunteer their skills to educate others. These type of selfless leaders also inspire and ignite us to dream and nurture us to follow the dream. These are qualities to have in a selfless leader, and that comes from LinkedIn. And now from yogisprice.com, the different ways to also practice selflessness. Work on becoming aware of just how much you think of yourself in certain situations. Ask questions to better empathize with people. We talked a whole lecture about empathy. Acknowledge and thank people for sharing their opinions when you don't agree with them. We had talked a whole lecture about gratitude, a karasatov, so important, so lacking nowadays among many people. Make sure to aim to perform one simple act of selfless giving a day. That's the whole idea of chesed, ahavas chesed, chesed yomi, a wonderful idea in general. There's also a safer by the Chavitz Chaim, Ahavat Chesed Yomi, basically a lesson of Chesed a day, a beautiful book from Art School, fantastic. Also the idea of Tzedakah Yomi, there's a wonderful organization, dailygiving.org, they literally charge your credit card for $30, we do this, Blineder. And they take off a dollar per day so that you make sure you be involved in chesed every day, that you're involved in tzedakah every day. And you think to yourself, what can one dollar do every day? But then you think to yourself the wonderful adage of the Rambam who explains that every act you do, every tzedakah dollar you give is a tzedakah act, a spiritual muscle that's being strengthened, that's being penetrated into your heart. If you have a hundred dollars, the Rambam says, you could give it to one person or you have one dollar, you could give it to a hundred people, what do you think you should do? You might say, the hundred dollars can really help that one person. But the Rambam tells you, and I might tell you, 
Look what you could do training yourself to be a more giving person, a more generous person by giving one dollar a hundred times. Give every day. Dailygiving.org, a wonderful initiative. It's only a dollar a day, only thirty dollars for the month. Charge it on one of your credit cards, two of your credit cards. I'm telling you it's a wonderful thing, simple way to be involved in giving every day. And it's automatic. You don't even have to think about it. It should become part of yourself that you don't have to think about giving every day. And keep practicing self-love and love for all people. We're going to talk about that in a second. The power of positivity.com also gives us different ways to be selfless in a selfish world. The world is so, so selfish. You think about the selfie. The whole idea of a selfie is a selfish aspect. You think about Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook. All these things that are so selfish. What does my profile say? What does my page say? How many people can I influence? That's a really corrupt term. Influencer. What does it mean, an influencer? It means that you 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 post things because you're so selfish. You're so egocentric. You want people to quote unquote follow you, to listen to you? Are you actually doing nice things or are you just, you know, posting different tweets about your life and, and about the burger you had today? Are you really giving something? Are you being selfless? No, it's selfish. It's such a selfish world out there nowadays. We have to be involved in selfless acts and selfless selfless aspects of our life. So number one thing to do, practice loving kindness and meditation, which for me translates into the idea we talk about a lot in all the shows, ahavad chinam, baseless love, love for all people without reason. Ahavad chinam to all Jews and all people. The Gemara says in every generation that the base of Migdash is not built, it is as if the base of Migdash was destroyed again in your generation. I repeat, in every generation that the base of Migdash was not built, it's as if it was destroyed again in your generation. Why? Because the whole reason the base of Migdash was destroyed, one of them, not because of the big three of idolatry, morality, and and murder, but one of the base of Migdash was destroyed because of not having the proper respect for one another, because of the idea of I'm just hating people for no reason. So if the base of Migdash was destroyed because of not loving people, for hating people, and it wasn't rebuilt in our generation, obviously we haven't solved that problem. Obviously, Sinachinam is still around. And if the base of Migdash was destroyed because of Sinachinam, because of baseless hate, I believe the solution, which is not my own Chiddush, it's many commentators, I think the Chavitz Chaim especially, the solution for Sinat Chinam is the opposite. Ahavad Chinam. If the base of Majors was destroyed because of Sinat Chinam, the way to rebuild it, you would think, is through Ahavad Chinam. And if the, and if you have a Lev Ra, the opposite has to be, I have to have a Lev Tov. And if you have Lashon Hara, the opposite is to have Lashon Tov, talking good about people, thinking good about people, loving people unconditionally. I don't care what their politic views is. I don't care what the, what their, what their aspects are, what their leanings are, what their failures are. They might have troubles, but it doesn't define them. I could disagree on their actions. I could hate their actions. I could not agree with their viewpoints or with their political leanings. But it doesn't mean I hate them as a whole. It doesn't mean I hate the human. I hate the aspect of divine spark. If Hashem put a person here, there is something they're supposed to do. Hashem doesn't create a person without a purpose. Hashem doesn't allow a person here if they're not here for a reason. We love people. We love all people, especially all of you. Of course, we could disagree on things and, and be very disappointed in actions, but as the Mahser says in the back, and it always stays with me, Blineder, it says in the back in Vito, we make the awful mistake throughout the whole year to hate people instead of hating their actions. We make the awful mistake of, of, of just despising the person instead of despising the action. There must be a differentiation. No person is all good and, and no bad. No person is all bad and no good. It's really areas of the shade of gray. It's really a canvas that's white that has black splotches of sins. And really, we have to understand, even if a person has this problem or this problem or this affliction, this addiction, this bad trait or this bad habit, it doesn't define them as a person. It might be a tiny element, but 99% of them is a wonderful person. That 1% is how you're going to label them? How are you going to define them? That's completely wrong. That's completely inaccurate and completely unkind. So we need to have baseless love for all people. 
To also be selfless, we need to perform random acts of kindness every day. Chesed every day should be the mantra in all of our minds. We have a whole lecture on the message of Chesed. Chesed is very near and dear to my heart. Don't get me started! But chesed every day must be done. Also, we must need to listen more. We must give some of our paycheck to charity. Of course, we know this is fundamental to a Jew, tzedakah, one-tenth. If you're even better, you go up to, to more than that. A fifth for those of you that can afford it. But of course, a little more is good. Don't break the bank. But you get a check, two grand, give the $200. Nobody ever said I didn't give enough money to my house after 120 years. But they would say... I didn't spend enough time with my family. I should have given more to charities and institutions. I could have done more tzedakah. These kind of mitzvahs don't come back to hurt us. They could only help us. In fact, this is the only mitzvah, I believe the Chavetz Chaim points out or someone else points out, that Hashem says, test me. I dare you to test me. It says, aser ta'aser. Why the double language in the Torah? It could have said anything. Why aser to aser? So the sages point out, aser b'shvil to aser. Hashem says, test me. You test me. You give tzedakah, sees what'll, see what'll happen to you. I'll enrich you for giving tzedakah. Give more tzedakah, I'll get it back to you. This is the only area that we're technically allowed to test Hashem. You know, I'm giving tzedakah, Hashem, can you help me out? I want to give more tzedakah. Give me money so I can give more tzedakah. I want to help more and more people. Hashem will get you back for spending money on tzedakah. Hashem will get you back for spending on mitzvahs and, and taking care of your kids and tuition and the like. Hashem will get you back. You just have to be involved in giving to begin with, especially money-wise. Make sure to volunteer for others at a homeless shelter with children or the like. Be selfless in a selfish world. Do more and more chesed. That's one of the pillars, the reasons the world was created and is sustained, Perkevus points out. Practice patience. And the golden rule, treat others how you'd want to be treated. As explained most poignantly by Hillel and the Gemara, everything else is commentary. So we can incorporate simple elements into our lives to be more selfless-oriented and less selfish. Look at these amazing, powerful stories I found about the degree of how people can be selfless. The, 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 the boundaries that people push to be selfless on behalf of others. Baba Mel explains... The Dorchester was a troop transport ship used during the Second World War. It was sunk by a German torpedo. It was sunk by this other nation, by the Germans, and it was it was beginning to sink in, in the Labrador Sea in 1943. I apologize for not sharing the sources earlier. As the ship began to sink and its passengers began to abandon it, four different lieutenants, George Fox... Alexander Good, John Washington, and Clark Poling, who are all chaplains of different faiths. And I know you're going to say which one of them was Jewish. I have no idea. I was thinking about it the other day. They began handing out life jackets, including their own, and directing people to safety. As the ship began to disappear between the waves, the four chaplains, who probably had nothing to do with each other before, probably didn't agree with each other's theology, at the end of the day realized that they were all humans. They linked arms together and they began to sing as they went down with the ship. They decided their choice, save everyone else while we go down with the ship. Crazy degree of selflessness. Working as the security director for Morgan Stanley for many years, Richard Berscola was a stickler for the safety of the bank's employees. When the first plane hit that awful day in our own lives in, in 2001, that awful, awful day, as the, as soon as the first plane hit the North Tower during the September 11, 2001 terrorist attack on the World Trade Center, this guy, Rescola immediately jumped up jumped into action, instructed more than 2,500 employees that he was responsible for to get out, to evacuate the South Tower where they worked. He was killed by the impact of the plane that hit the South Tower just as he got the last person out. He literally got every single person out not worrying about himself, not caring about himself, not thinking about himself. Selflessly wanted to ensure the safety of everyone else. He was a security guard par excellence to the fullest sense of the word. He literally got all of them out, but he himself did not make it out. 
of the tower. Crazy, crazy example of selflessness. I want to show you two more examples, smaller examples. One is from Anderson Leadership Solutions. This is a very famous story. I don't know if you heard a couple of years ago. On a cold November night in Times Square, this officer, Lawrence DePrima, was working a counterterrorism post when he did a very simple but very kind act. He encountered an older, barefoot, homeless man and it was a very cold night, so you can imagine how this man felt. The officer disappeared for a moment, but he came back with a new, brand new pair of boots. He gave it to the man, the homeless man, but that didn't stop him. He literally sat down next to the man, probably. He knelt over, maybe, to help the man lace the shoes, put them on to make sure that this person would not be cold, that his feet would not be cold on such a cold, cold night, in such a cold, cold world where everybody walks by without a second glance. And I might not be better than anyone else. I might also walk by, but this guy decided not to walk by. This guy decided to do something about it and, and actually helped him to the fullest sense of the world in a selfless aspect. Hasidus Applied shows this story. In March 1981, there were gunshots fired at President Reagan, President Ronald Reagan, in an attempted assassination. Chaos, shouting, broke out and filled the street in front of the Washington Hilton Hotel. Many panicked. Others ran for cover. There was complete pandemonium, pandemonium, and complete chaos all over the place. But one Secret Service agent jumped into action. He jumped into the line of fire to shield the president. As the trigger was pulled, the agent literally intercepted the president's bullet. And it was an act of absolute selflessness, giving his life for the life of the country, giving his life for the president. And mind you, maybe he didn't even like that party. Maybe he wasn't really a Democrat or Republican, depending on the time. But he knew that his job is to save and protect whoever the president is as the moment, loving all humans, loving whatever person's there, even if he doesn't agree with the ideology or the like. But he jumped into action. He said, I must save the president. And he did so in complete selflessness. Mind you, not all of these actions can be done by the simple folk among us, and especially myself. So let's bring it home with a few more examples of much more toned down situations. GiveItLove.com points out what different kids do with their own time and their own money. I wish I could inculcate it in my own kids. I really hope so over the years that I could do so, that we could do so, my wife and I. But to give our kids away, they have to see what you do. They can't see what you say. Kids learn much more from what you do than from what you say. I could speak till I'm blue in the face about how important it is to be a giver, to be generous, to be a doer. But if my kids don't see me do it, they're not going to learn it. If my kids don't see me cooking for others, giving to others, hosting others, they're not going to do it. So I need to cook for others. I need to host for others. I need to give for others, do for others in order to inculcate it in my own children. Look at what these children do. This child, one child, raised $500 on two separate occasions. And, and it says child, which means he's probably like not older than 9, 10. He raised $500, she, on two separate occasions by selling her personal items. She sold her Barbies. She sold her dolls. She sold her American Girl dolls. She sold whatever. Her personal items at garage sales. And she used that money to fill backpacks for local kids, local school kids who couldn't afford their own yearly school supplies. What a wonderful idea. What a wonderful thing to do. Who, What kind of a kid would think to do that? But hopefully she saw it around her and decided to be selfless as well. Another child saved $120 over a year period. When his mom asked him what he wanted to do with the money, he said he wanted to buy lunches for the homeless, for the people that were not in homes. Also, a wonderful thing. Many kids and adults around the world grow their hair so they could donate to a place such as Locks of Love or Lahav Dozichom and Acham for children with the terrible disease of C. My, my wife has also done this on, on a few occasions. It's a wonderful thing to do, a wonderful cause. One eight-year-old boy put up with bullying for two years. 
Can you imagine what he looked like, what he had to endure, and they had no idea why he was doing it? No Don Lakovskis, no benefit of the doubt. They just thought that he was a weirdo. He had long hair, and he looks like a crazy kid. But he really was doing it so that he could grow out the hair. It's easy for girls to do it, because people are like, oh, they're donating, and that's why they have long hair. But if a guy does it, unfortunately, they think, oh my gosh, he's a weirdo, he looks crazy. But he was doing it. Why couldn't he grow the hair and donate it? What a nice thing. So he put up with bullying for two years so he could donate it to children who also had the big C. Another little girl sold all of her stuffed animals and donated the money to the local animal shelter, taking those animals she probably loved over the years but found a better purpose, a better cause for it. And another nine-year-old girl literally builds movable homes for the homeless and grows them food. So if kids that age can do it, alachas kama v'koma, kal v'chomer, how much more so we need to do so as well, on a higher scale, as much as we can. We have the power to do great things for others, even in simple ways if we just think about it and apply ourselves. All we need to see is how to go about bringing it home to our own lives and incorporating it into our own lives every single day. Because the idea is not to be selfish, not to be egoist, not to be egotist, not to be egoistic or egotistic, as the Klein Dictionary points out. The idea is, as Perk Elvis points out to us early on in Perak Aleph, one of my favorite Mishnas in the whole Perk Elvis, coming from Hillel. If I am not for myself, who is for me? You would think those words key you off to thinking, oh man, maybe I should be selfish, maybe I should be egotistical, because I have to do things for myself, no one else will. But look at the next word, it keys you into realizing that's not it. And if I am only for myself, what am I? If you're living for yourself, if you're focused on yourself, you're selfish and always concerned with only yourself, what are you? What is your life? What do you amount to? And what are you contributing? Nothing. Ma'ani, what are you? You're nothing. You're not using your time. You're not benefiting the world. You're not contributing to the world. You're pulling from the world. And you're literally wasting your opportunities, wasting your talents, wasting the precious potential you could have done. Of course, get up and do it now. You might think you have to take care of what you have to take care of for yourself, but you can't only think to take care of stuff for yourself. So you made food for dinner, but you made too much food. So where's that food going to go? More than 500 pounds of food go to waste to the garbage, a study pointed out one of the years in the past in American society. That's a lot of food Americans pour out per family, I think, 500 pounds of wasted food per year, per family in America. I believe that's a a study that came out. I don't remember where, when, who, what, now. But I do know it's a lot, a lot, a lot. What could that food have done? Where could that food have gone? Who could that food have helped? You have extra food you make. Give it to your neighbor. Give it to someone else. Let someone else benefit from it. Because H.com points out that the Gemara points out in Yerushalmi Nadarim, the whole idea Rabbi Akiva teaches us is to love your neighbor as yourself. The pasta coming from the Chumash and Vayikra. This is the most important rule in the entire Torah. All the rest is commentary that the Talmud points out also. Because the first point to carry over is when we live for others, our outlook and our purpose gets increased multifold. We feel a true essence in being to make the world better. I want to point out to you one of the most quintessential relationships in the entire Tanakh. My wife reads this with her students every year, Blineder, where she works in her school, but for Navi. But for me, this relationship is so mind-boggling powerful, and it's so antithetical to what you would see nowadays. David and Yohanna's son, Yohanna's son, are the two most natural rivals you would think if you look at the facts on earth. Yohanna's son is supposed to be the heir apparent to the throne after Shaul. But of course he knows that really it's going to go to David. Shmuel anoints David after Shaul, after it's ripped away from Shaul because of the different sins and the read, whatever. It goes to David. And Yonatan could easily be upset, could easily want to be at odds with David, but no one had a better relationship, a better friendship, a closer friendship as David and Yohanneson, which is mind-boggling. 
And the Mishnah Perkevus, I'll show you in a second, talks about that. David and Yonason were so bound up with one another that they were as one. Their, their love for one another as friends, as dearly friends, is mind-boggling. As when, and when Yonathan, Yonatan dies, you can imagine what kind of effect it had on David. It probably broke him. You see in the Tanakh, when David eulogizes Shaul, who wanted to kill him, who did not have a great relationship with him, even though David didn't want that. And Yonatan also, they had a wonderful relationship, but Yonatan is killed at the hands of the Pelishtim. Such a crazy thing. But here it talks about in the Pasuk, Vayehavu Yonatan kenaf show. Nikshara, nefesh Yonatan, nikshara, nefesh David, Vayehavu Yonatan kenaf show. Yonatan's soul became bound up with the soul of David. Yonatan, Yonatan loved David as he loved himself. He took the idea, they both took the idea of Yehavtarecha Kamocha literally to heart, pun intended. They literally loved each other to the fullest extent of the word. We should have the ability with our own spouses to have such a relationship Kavachomer with our own spouses who are supposed to be our best friends. We're supposed to share our life with them. Our, our, we're supposed to talk to them, give them time, spend time, have date night with them all the time, every day. My wife and I try to do that. And you're supposed to be able to, to, to be with that with friends in general, but of course with your best, best friend, which is supposed to be your spouse. Hopefully it is. But a friend in general, also a best friend. What does it mean? We talk a whole lecture also about friendship. What does it mean to have a best friend? Do you have a best friend like Jonathan and David when they were naturally not supposed to be best friends? They knew how to be best friends to one another. He literally saved David's life, the Haftorah and Machar Chodesh, when we read that when Rosh Chodesh is coming up the next day. A very poignant Haftorah. It's very emotional uh, Haftorah. I love to read it because it really shows the essence of their friendship. It's really very powerful, the story. Literally, David is missing from the Seder of the Rosh Chodesh, and, yeah, and Yonatan is trying to find out if his dad really wants to kill David or not, and it's very obvious that he does, and Yonatan leaves in an anger on behalf of David. He's righteously indignated on David's behalf, and he runs to David, and he literally saves David's life. It's crazy. The whole story is crazy. Elsewhere in Shmuel Alpha points out, Ki ahavat nafsho ahevo, he loved him as himself, Yonatan and David. And again it says, Be'ahavato also kenafsho, they love each other like themselves. And in this portion of the Haftorah, the end of the portion, it literally talks about Yonatan tells him, you gotta go, you have to run, you have to flee for your life, my dad wants to kill you. Much have been very painful to him to say this, because I think this might be the last time they might see each other in person. Very emotional parting for each other. Very difficult for them. And this Pasuk, the end of the Haftorah of Machar Chodesh, they talk about how we swore to each other to protect each other, to go in peace. They have a friendship. They have a kinship. They have a bond. Take care of one another. Take care of our families. Between my offspring and your spring, offspring forever. And we know that David takes it to task. He actually wants Shaul's family to remain, but other people try to extinguish the whole line of Shaul. And David has someone at his table, one of the descendants of Shaul, at his own table. So they were the best of friends, even though it could have been easily otherwise. He took care of the family at his own table. And Pirkelvis points out in Hey Tet, Zion, the best type of relationship, the best type of love is over here. What is an example of a love, a real love that doesn't depend on any cause? It's unconditional. It doesn't talk about the love of a spouse for a spouse or for, for parents for children. It talks about the love of two friends, the love of David and Yehonatan. That is the best type of love because even though they were so naturally, they could have been such rivals. They had the best type of love, the love of David and Yohanan. We should all be zochem to have such lives in our li- in our li- to have such love in our lives and to work on such love to have in all of our relationships, especially our spouses, kids, families, and friends. And that's the next point to carry over. We should try to emulate having such wonderful love for one another and selfless concern for one another, like. David and Yohanan had. Bracious points out, sometimes people are so selfish, they do anything that they can to ruin things of others. They'll ruin the objects of others, they'll ruin the cattle of others, they'll ruin the oxen of others. Mishra Tor points out, some people are so stingy that they'd rather not be generous at all. But of course, it's much better to err on the side of generosity 
than it is on the side of selfishness. The Ramban in, in Boratius points out, people intention so often is selfishness. You have to avoid it as much as you can. The Bartonura even points out in the Mishnah and Terumos that there are three types of way of giving maaser, giving the, 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 the tithes in terms of plants and, and we could extend it to money and extend it to other things. But one out of 60 is technically the lowest level, but that's considered selfishness. Selfishness. That's considered the evil eye. Go higher. One in 40 is really best. One in 50 is the middle of the road. One in 60 is just selfishness. If you have the money, give a little more than what the minimum is. Give Lifname assurance. It didn't go a little bit above. I know it's a tenth. I know Master says give a tenth of your money. But if you can give one ninth, would it really kill you? Would it really kill your wallet? You think that money's going to hurt you by not having it? The money we're given to begin with is not ours. Hashem gives us some money to entrust it like a watchman, like a shomer, like a person who's the trustee of an estate. Would a trustee of an estate feel bad that the money was doled out? It's not his to begin with. His job, his only job, is to give the money where it belongs. It's not yours to begin with. Oh, I earn this money. Devarim points out that Moshe tells the people, you think it's your hand, you think it's your work, you think you're all that, you're so special, your job, your profession, you're such a hotshot lawyer or a hotshot whatnot. The money you're given to you is from Hashem. Hashem gives it to you and trusts it to you that you'll use it in the right way for the right things. Obviously, if you break something, go replace it. Obviously, if you have to take care of things, go use it for it. But the rest of the money, He gives it to you because He wants you to use it in the right ways. You are like a trustee, a lawyer of an estate, giving it out where it's supposed to go. This tenth goes to tzedakah. This goes to tuition. This goes to Shabbos and mitzvahs and chesed and tzedakah. Give it where it's supposed to be. Don't be selfish. The Enyakov points out that robbery and hard-heartedness in the previous generations made the people become more selfish. They closed their hands from lending to another, and that was leading to downfall in society. Another point to carry over, it's always better to be generous than to, God forbid, be considered selfish or stingy. Generosity, in my opinion, is probably one of the best traits to have. And when used for others, the whole world can get better. Between yesterday and tomorrow points out that selfishness is not just thinking about myself. It's also thinking about following the idols of nowadays, which is money and fame and power and, 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 and the outer materialism and the, 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 the vanity of, of quote unquote of, uh, of shallowness in all levels and the idols of power and might. Or the class in the nation. He also, they also point out there's much selfishness in all of us and there's too much selfishness around, but we have to go against it, go against the lifestyle of it. From David to Destruction points out that Gehazi also was a character very self-centered, very selfish. They talk about how he ran with the stick of Elisha to try to revive the dead boy that the Shunammit woman was given from Elisha through Hashem, obviously. And Gehazi wasn't able to revive her when Elisha sent her because it's told that he would stop and say, I'm going to revive this boy. This is the staff of Elisha. But he was a very self-centered and self-promoting personality. Obviously, we're not judging him, but this is just what the commentary is explaining. And his attitudes reflected the Gemara, which criticizes him for not acting appropriately with other people. Because the point to carry over, sometimes it's not enough to be surrounded by the good role models. He had the best teacher, the best sage and rabbi, Elisha, one of the greatest Nevi'im. But he still couldn't get over those traits in himself. He still couldn't have selfless pursuits. We have to work on ourselves as well. We can't just think it'll be diffused to us. We can't just think that we'll stand next to a sage, stand next to a Navi, stand next to a Torah scholar, and through diffusion, I'll be affected. No, you have to work on yourself too. Crisis in Faith points out, Egotistic human drives deny the divine purpose in the creation of man. Kedas points out a lot of times, God forbid, people abuse Torah to advance their egotistical goals, which is terrible. Penina Halacha also points out one can successfully break through egotistical boundaries if you love your spouse, you look out for your spouse, you love your children and look out for them, and you love your friends and family and look out for them. The Nefesh Achaim points out learning in Torah shouldn't be used to provoke others or for egotistical reasons. And he also points out if you become egotistical, you could lose your wisdom, God forbid. Kedushas Levi also points out it's important for anyone petitioning Hashem to realize you have to do so from good things and not from egotistical motives. 
Shnei Luchotra Pris points out, even Yaakov, any interest he had in this world was not for egotistical reasons. He had the reasons involved to be involved in the world. And that's another point to carry over. We must fight all egotistical drives for money, power, honor, and self-centered drives. We must use drives for good things. To do mitzvahs and chesed, to serve Hashem, make the world powerful and more better. Avosavayim Nelson points out that we shouldn't be grudging and selfish, but we should be giving and selfless. Mishnah Torah points out, if you make use of teachings of Torah for selfish reasons, you take your own life, God forbid. And Rambam also points out, man is usually selfish and is very inclined to keep and save his property, but the whole world, our whole 120 years, was supposed to fight our traits, fight our innate tendencies and our innate wants, and do better, and use them for better. Sefer Khan points out, don't do things for selfish ends. Don't do things for selfish reasons. Akedis Yitzchak points out, you won't achieve your goals if you do it for selfish considerations. You have to be selfless. And that's another point to carry over. Use any talents, any abilities for others to do good, and not for selfish gain or reason. Sefer Khan points out, if you fulfill the 613 mitzvahs, any of them, in the proper manner, without material motive, or ulterior motive, or selfish motive, but for its own sake, in the love of Hashem, you get eternal life. And the term of Olivanon explains, how could you even face Hashem if you do things for selfish reasons? We can't serve Hashem for selfish reasons at all, the Kedusha Slavi points out. We serve Hashem from satisfaction to serve Him. And make sure to serve Him with no selfish benefit whatsoever, the Priya Aritz points out. And Ain Yaakov says, study the Torah, fulfill the mitzvot, be involved with the real purpose. Because out of, out of doing it out of the purpose is not the best way, and we should do it for the right reason. But if you need to, start from not the right reason, and you'll get to the right reason. The idea of lolishma, mitoch lolishma, balishma. Like you go to do the, the chasen for someone, you're not happy, but you don't want to, but when you go, God willing, you'll actually be happy. And and it's the idea of fake it till you make it, which is the point to carry over. We need to serve Hashem not for selfish reasons. However... If we can't get there yet, even if it's difficult to serve Hashem Lishma, start low Lishma. You know, I'm going to do this mitzvah. I know it's a mitzvah, and I, I need I need to be involved in chesed hours. For example, they make kids do chesed hours. Why do we force kids to do chesed hours in middle school and high school? Because we want them to be involved in chesed so that they'll love chesed. If we didn't push them to do it, they might not do it at all. When they fake it, they're involved with it because they have to. Maybe, God willing, hopefully they'll be involved with it because they love it. At first, they didn't like it. But God willing, then they became to love it. That's like the idea of smiling, even if you're not really happy, because smiling triggers you to be happy. So fake it till you make it when you're involved in mitzvahs and Torah chesed, if you're not at the level that you're already very happy to do it. And Yaakov points out, if you're involved with Torah for its own sake, peace will come to your household and, and peace comes to the world. Between yesterday and tomorrow also points out, you will... Realize that if you don't do things for selfless, if it's involved for selfish reasons, you'll come to love the lie and involve yourself more and more and more in selfishness as well. Major Themes points out, God is not made to subserve the selfish interests of man. Where He doesn't want you to be selfish. He wants you to be selfless. Serve God with all your being, the sitter points out on Shabbos. And keep us from distraction of personal thoughts and selfish motives we talk about in the sitter as well. Flames of Faith points out a few things also. The Nefesh Bahamas is sometimes called the Eight Sahara, the evil inclination, because it draws us to evil, to selfish behavior of the animal world, acting like an animal. And if you act according to the selfish desire, it's like you're acting like an animal. The physical soul primarily seeks selfishness. The Tzadik struggles with this and tries to find things to hate the hedonism and try to go for the spirituality. Battle the desires, transform any selfish want into a heavenly urge to give generously. Take any urge for haughtiness, anger, and wasteful speech, which is evil and selfish, and try to turn it into good. If you want something for selfishness, you have to change it to selflessness. People say, I love fish, I love chicken. If you really love chicken and fish in the real manner, you would put it in a, pe- in a hen, you would, you would like keep it as a pet, you wouldn't kill it and eat it. When people say, I love fish, I order it for dinner, it doesn't make any sense, the Flames of Faith points out. It doesn't mean he loves fish, he loves how the fish makes him feel, he loves how the, the taste of it sits in his mouth and his belly something you really love you care for and you take care of like your wife and your kids so we should use the words appropriately and properly and realize what we really mean when we say things 
And that's the next point to carry over. Take base drives and elevate them to spiritual ones. Love of singing. For example, use it not for your own honor or ego to hear your own voice, but use it to help make a beautiful davening for others. When we talk about selflessness, we're talking about being involved in selfless service for Hashem, the Kedush Levi points out. Yismach Yisrael points out we should be dedicated selfless in the service of God to help others. The Malbim points out an Eve to worship Hashem in a way that we're being selfless, helping others, not for love of reward, not for fear of punishment, but just for the sake of serving Hashem. Shnei Luchot points out we learn from Avram's selflessness about liberating Lot that we too should be selfless. He went and he ran after, involved in this whole war when he wasn't himself so young and agile, but it was an act of selfless love, the Sforno points out. And the Flames of Faith points out that when one displays selfless giving, giving to other humans, it's a very high level of service. And that's the idea to point to carry over. Help others, even if it may cause some damage to time or energy or effort. I think about the idea in Perkev's Lafum Tsara Agra, the more effort, the more reward. The Rambam points out, you think about the idea of Rivka being involved in this whole crazy scheme and deceit, quote-unquote deceit, must have been very hard for her. But she wanted to make sure the proper son got it, even though they're both her children, she loves them so much, she realized where the brachos had to go, and she, she, she girded herself, and she was involved to make sure to do so. You think about the idea of Rachel and Leah. Rachel gave up the signs to her sister so her sister wouldn't be embarrassed. It's complete selflessness. And that comes much later when she petitions Hashem. She didn't want to publicly shame her sister. The Kedushas Levi and the Mamar Mizakir Rabin points out an example, an outstanding example of selflessness. She wanted to be involved to take care of her sister. And we too, the point to carry over, should be selfless, especially if it will save supreme and utter embarrassment for someone else. The Flames of Faith points out, desires have an admixture of selflessness within them that is virtually apparent when you're able to figure out how to take things away from you, like laziness and anger and pleasure and physical things, and you're able to turn them into to service of Hashem, like food, if you have an innate drive for food, we sit down, we say a bracha first, and we transform a meal into something spiritual. We take care of the grape juice and the wine, we elevate it with a bracha, taking something that can make us selfish, how the drink and the food make us feel, and we turn it to Hashem. Contemporary Allahi Problem talks, talks about realize what real altruism is, what real selflessness is, make sure to not have ulterior motives. From David to Destruction points out, that we're all involved in the idea of altruism. Everybody, the Pentelegate, all Jews have the ability to give, but make sure to give in the right way and in the right circumstances. He also points out, make sure to have altruism in the right way, selflessness in the right way, not having any self-interest, like getting yourself a better investment or a higher position, but really helping others just for the sake of it. Make sure the point is to do true altruism without ulterior motives or selfish interests. Mishnah Torah points out, sometimes it's not so convenient, I really don't like to. Do things in the most selfless, altruistic way, if possible, and realistic. Shnei Lohosa Brit points out, there really are truly altruistic acts of kindness. Some of them, for example, is the act of Chesed Shel Emes. What's the quintessential Chesed Shel Emes? Is taking care of the dead, burying the dead. The, the, the Hever Kadisha, which is an amazing, amazing concept and organization. I myself, I don't think I could ever do that. It's very difficult, but they do such beautiful things. Real loving kindness, real acts of it, dealing with the dead. Bala Sulam points out, that dealing with others, transforming selfish strives, you know, looking at the dead, caring for the dead, being involved in the dead, really altruistic. In so many levels, we could do that. We should help others. The point is, even if they can't pay you back, especially if they can't pay you back, like true chesed of Emmet, being involved in people that can't get back to us, that, that won't get back to us, like helping out the dead. Shayla Chodabert points out, that chesed and emes are different terms. When they're used together, it's a real altruistic act of kindness. But when it's different, it's not used in the same way. And think about Yosef taking care of Yaakov is also real chesed that Yaakov can never point back, pay, give back to him and pay back to him. We should also remember, Rabbi Hanala points out, not to serve for the idea of reward, not to get compensation, but literally just to help others and to spread goodwill in the world. In the service of Hashem, the Malbim points out, Hashem wants us to do things for its own sake, altruism, selflessness, on any level we could do it. And Cheskuni points out, 
Avram was involved in many altruistic things. His motives were altruistic, and so too our motives should also be altruistic as well. The point is, serve Hashem in a way that is geared always towards those around us to be Mikadashim Shemaim and to be other oriented. Thanks for sticking with us. Sorry about the technical difficulties. We're going to wrap up right now. Clean editor. When we live for others, our outlook and our purpose gets increased multifold. We feel a true essence in being to make the world better. We should try to emulate having such wonderful love for one another and selfless concern for others like David and Yonatan. It's always better to be generous than to God forbid be considered selfish or stingy. Generosity is probably one of the best traits to have and when used for others the whole world can get better. We must fight all egotistical drives for money, power, honor, and self-centered drives. We must use such drives only for good, for others to do mitzvahs and chesed as a way to serve Hashem and make the world better. Use any talents or abilities for others to do good, not for selfish gain or reason. Serve Hashem not for selfishness, however difficult it is. Even if it is hard to do it lishma, at least try to get to lishma. If it's not easy to do lishma, at least start low lishma, and then hopefully it'll come. Fake it till you make it. Smile if you're not really happy, even if you're not really happy. Take base drives and elevate them to spiritual ones, like the love of singing. Use it for the right reasons, not for your honor or your own ego. Help others, even if it may cause some damage to time, energy, or effort, like Lafum Tsar Agra. Be selfless, even if it will, especially if it'll be something that could save supreme and utter embarrassment for others. Make sure to do true altruism without ulterior motives or selfish interests. Help others, even if they cannot pay you back, like true chesed of Ahmed dealing with the dead. Serve Hashem in a way that is geared always towards those around us to be Mikadashim Shemaim and be others oriented. Thank you so much for listening and joining us. God willing, we'll be back in two weeks for another lecture here on the lecture series with Reb T. Have a wonderful night, and this has been Reb T. Thank you.